Hello and welcome to the podcast, It Should Go Without Saying. I'm your host, Andrew Lewis. This time last week, my good friend Cameron McDonald joined me on the podcast to do a preview of the upcoming AFL season. As of tonight, Wednesday the 18th of March, we're not sure when the season is going to start or what structure it's going to take. But we thought we'd share this podcast with you all the same. We go through the teams in the order of the ladder uh, that I've predicted from bottom to top. And we started with the Gold Coast Suns. I hope you enjoy it. My question to you about the Gold Coast Suns is, now they've assembled this collection of talent, what makes this collection of talent different to the collection of talent they collected, young talent, that when they collected when they started? What's different? Why, how, does this, how does this end differently? Well, you just hope that they that it does, that, that, that in some way they learn their lessons and that the, the message in the interviews from Matty Rowell and Noah Anderson and these guys is, um, can be believed, that they are, they're keen to build something wherever they go. Um, you know, it's pretty easy to have them 18th. I think that I, I had them 18th as well. And they needed to sell a preseason to get some people along, and they've had a couple of wins, which is exciting. They really touched um, up Geelong. That was they didn't just win; they won by ten or eleven goals. So, yeah, which is yeah. good to see them take that opportunity. I mean, you know, you could easily get ten minutes into the last quarter and think, okay, let's make sure that you know we just have a nice easy run out and get some miles and legs, but don't take too many physical risks and don't put the foot down. And they gone on and win by 11 goals which is you know it's probably worth more to them than the tissue paper treatment than some other clubs would probably have in that similar situation there's always this the the divide in the preseason is always really clear to me and that's just who needs to win these games and who doesn't in the slightest um, and generally speaking you can find a through line as far as the teams that really have identified that winning a couple of games here and selling hope to their fans um, and also just selling hope to their players, you know, and the and the the game plan, and is there confidence there? And can we turn a couple of preseason wins into a three and O start, mm. um, which the Gold Coast have done a couple of times? But um, you know, as we go through it, I think usually it's pretty clear that the teams that go WW needed to for yeah, and obviously the Gold Coast need to do that um, absolutely. Um... They've got Port Adelaide round one and without naming the betting company, but if you are going to gamble on football, bet responsibly. Gold Coast are 275 of that game at home at Metricon versus Port Adelaide in round one. I would humbly suggest that represents value considering their form in the, early in the season the last few years. And our inability to trust Port Adelaide. Um, yeah, which will get to they stamped their authority on uh, on round one last year, Port, with a, demoli- a demolition of um, the Melbourne Footy Club. Um, I don't know if it was a demolition. My memory t- tells me that that game was in the balance about 10 minutes in the last quarter and then Melbourne made a couple of key turnovers and Port Adelaide ran away with a 40-point victory. So, Right. You might be right about the final margin, but um, I remember the game was in Melbourne and I, I thought it was yeah. the biggest soda you could ever find and... and I guess that's pretty typical of Port. When you think they can't win, they're probably a chance. And when you think they can't lose, um, they can certainly get rolled. So, 
Yeah, it's an intriguing little contest. And as always, you know, it's never been easy to go to Metricon um, over the journey, I don't think. Um, The Cats have had difficulty up there despite being a very strong footy club. Collingwood's lost a game up there or two. So, um, yeah, pretty Probably the Gold Coast best win of their history was against the Gold Coast the day that, not that Ablett did his shot, when they were had no one on the bench and they managed to hold on. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, certainly the Gold Coast win I remember above all others that didn't involve my club. So young teams as well, you know, there's, there's, there's something about, you know, those early season games um, where you can just get a bit of something building. And they, they tried to do that in 2019. Um, mm. Their start of the season wasn't too, wasn't too shabby. And I think, you know, there will be immediate comparisons between Matty Rowell and, and uh, Sam Walsh because Sam Walsh has produced one of the more consistent debut seasons uh, by a number one pick across the whole journey of the draft. And there's, um, there's plenty of experts tipping that Rowell will be um, very similar. So that, that's an immediate thing to keep an eye on with them. But I suspect we'll see some green shoots and, you know, part of that will be trying to sell... Uh, to stay together. Um, mm. You know, Raul and Anderson, perhaps you can lock those guys down. And then um, by extension, um, you know, a club that, you know, does have enough um, early draft pick talent, uh, it'd just be great if they could progress as far as a Carlton or, you know, certainly their crosstown rival, um, Brisbane, who um, have shot up and I assume will be in the top half of your prediction. Yeah. Um, I could see them getting to seven wins with a with a good season. I think that would represent progress. I think in the cold light of a, of a September review, they could look at seven wins and think, you know, we ticked a lot of boxes. Um, let's try and get into double figures in 2021. But we all know that, you know, unfortunately, it's not just... If someone's got to finish last, but... You don't have to have a season where a team loses 14 in a row and or something like that. And they're probably stiff to get pipped at the post by, I think, the Bombers late in the season. I think going in the last five or six weeks, I thought they'll have one crack. Bad team, really bad teams always have that one game in the last five or six weeks where, they, where, they, where they're all in on a win. Um, and that was the day they didn't get it, which was unfortunate for them. So um, they've got the young talent. It's a bit different to how it was when they started. Uh, they haven't got the the mature players who didn't really make them super competitive straight away. Um, they were as competitive in their first two seasons as probably the GWS were in their first two seasons. Um, and the GWS had less legitimate uh, mature talent. They went for 33, 34, 35-year-olds and didn't have the 28, 29-year-olds that the Gold Coast did and guys like Harbrow and Brennan and Ablett at the time and Bach. Yep. So it'll be interesting, Seven but wins I think would be an enormous result, wouldn't it? Mm. I mean, it, when was the last time a, a team finished last with seven wins? If I'm they saying they could. I don't. I don't think they'll get to seven wins, but I think they could. I think that's the that's the up uh, that's the. I don't know if they but they win seven games, they're not going to finish last. Someone else will, but that's the um, ceiling. That's the ceiling, as far as I'm concerned. I couldn't see them getting to eight. I think eight is a, but in my mind, but seven and eight is a different level of competitiveness because you're in another three or four games. 
uh, for most of them anyway. So if you get to eight, you're, you're probably looking at a season thinking, geez, we could have just about finished 500. So anyway. Yeah, with you. Number 17, I've got the Fremantle Dockers. Um, they've first up in Melbourne against Essendon. Um, I, there's not, I know they've got the reigning Brownlow medalist, um, but there's not an awful lot to like. There's a lot. They've got a new coach um, who's an unknown quantity, obviously highly rated at Collingwood, Justin Longmuir, where he's assistant for a period of time before getting the Fremantle Dockers job. Um, the, they, they don't have Bradley Hill anymore, which, you know, brings a smile to my face. Um, they have a few injuries coming up and, you know, we, we, what's the over under on Jesse Hogan AFL games for the rest of his career? Is it, is it 0.5? Do you take the over? Um, they've moved a lot on. on Hogan and the under on beams. Yeah. It, it, it is, it is an interesting uh, situation. The Dockers find themselves in, um, I've got them 17th and the, the team that I've got 16th, 16th, simply because I feel like the team I've got above them's home ground, home ground advantage is going to be a little bit stronger than from Andals. So um, I'm unenthused by the Dockers. I could easily see them finishing last. Interesting. Uh, I have, based on everything you just said quite cryptically, I bet we have them in the opposite order. Mm. Um, but yeah. There, I mean, there's there's not a lot to be enthused about, as you say. Um, couple of additions, um, Aish in the back line, um, and Longmuir wanted Aish. Um, so you know what can he produce? Had a very very good Marsh one game, um, where he floated around and and did some very nice things. Um, and I, look, I rate Longmuir being a um, you know, being a fairly staunch Collingwood person, I'm aware of all the messaging coming out of Collingwood the entire time is uh, is how good he's been. And certainly he's, uh, he's held together some fairly cobbled uh, together back lines. You know, there's um, Buckley uh, during his tenure has been very unlucky on an injury front the vast majority of the time across eight years has, has very rarely had his best 22 on the park. Um, and last year, you know, guys like Johnny Noble and Isaac Quainor and Jack Madgen um, had to play some pretty serious footy at times. Um, you know, Roughhead um, was was an excellent addition, but you wonder just how clear a system Longmuir gave them. Um, and Frio have gone win-win in the preseason, and they probably needed to. Um, so... Um, there's another uh, pretty obvious one, I guess, for them. Um, yeah, I, I I don't have a lot to be enthused about, but I do rate Longmuir. I think it should be uh, the start of something for them. Um, and I, a couple of their kids as well, like their their early picks over the last couple of years. I think they have they've they've you know hit the target there, um, from what I can tell. Brayshaw coming back is is a good thing. Uh, you know, Chera and these. Um, they've certainly they've certainly doubled down on best available, haven't they? They haven't drafted for need. They've just they've traded for need and drafted just best available. Yeah. So that, that that's that's a pretty good way to be, I would think. 
I think it's a solid way to, to take a club from the bottom, you know, uh, up gradually is just to make sure you get pieces in place that are, um, that you can, you know, back to the hilt and then um, top up with pieces um, for each, each assault at a flag, I suppose. Mm. Um, they've been unlucky in, in a, a couple of circumstances. Hogan seemed to be a, a pretty good get when they got him. Um, yeah, I, I like their kids, and so I don't have them 17th, but I certainly think that, um, that they'll struggle. Is there a more consequential round one game than Essendon from Edel on the Saturday afternoon? Because potentially it's, not. It's, it, it's huge for whoever loses. I mean, I think if we from Edel lose, a lot of people would think that's that's who we thought they were. But if from Edel go into the Docklands, I mean, and then and beat Essendon in round one, um, it'd be huge ramification. I mean, Essendon would be the story of the week, pretty much regardless of what happened for the rest of the week. I have Essendon and Frio grouped together. Slightly higher than you on the ladder, but um, it's in that grouping. It makes it a very mouthwatering clash because, as you say, you know, one and zero versus zero and one is, you know, sometimes doesn't count for much. But you're on the way to zero and two if you're zero and one, and we know that counts for plenty. So, um, yeah, it could go either way, and you just have to lean Essendon's way because of a home ground advantage. Fair enough. Just above them on the ladder, I've got the Adelaide Crows in 16th. I think they're as, in terms of if I was ranking teams as far away from winning a premiership, Adelaide would be 18th. I think I think the two teams who I've got lower on the ladder are closer to a premiership. They've got more young talent. The Adelaide Crows haven't bottomed out yet. The reason I, and I, I, I gave this reasonable thought, I just thought uh, Adelaide and Adelaide Oval is going to count for a little bit more in terms of actual wins than uh, Optus Stadium is for Fremantle. Um, the Adelaide crowd will get them over the line in a couple of games. But this yeah. is, this is there's not a lot to hang your hat on here. That, you know, their not. best players are all past the best half of their career, I think, except for pro- probably Rory Laird, who is an excellent player, but not a cornerstone of a football team. He's a... He could be the best player on a premiership team. Don't get me wrong, but he's. If you were starting a team, you wouldn't pick Rory Laird. Yeah, no. And um, they're they're busy trying to identify new roles for players. And Brody Smith's having a run through the midfield because you know he's he's another Rory Laird, and you don't need them all in the back line. They've they've just they. Ball's going to be down there a bit. Something. Yeah, they're. Uh, I mean, we agree. On Adelaide, um, and we agree on the first three teams, just not um, necessarily in order. Um, they're in desperate trouble, and sometimes, I mean, I think you you have to go. Like part of me starts to go with my my philosophical standpoint on a footy club, um, and and my gut feel on the mood of a place, um, and I feel like football is headed that way in a pretty dramatic way. Um, you know, they're not trying to sell you incredible tacticians anymore um, at a footy club. They're trying to sell you the the good vibes at a footy club. If you look mm. at the the West Coasts and the Richmonds and the the Collingwood Footy Clubs and and the changes that they make, you know, often with same coaches, but the the clear transformation towards harmony that the Western Bulldogs felt. Um, 
and the Bevo and then lost seemingly. Um, maybe they found it again. Um, but there's there's a real there's a real harmony at those footy clubs that other clubs seem to be striving for, and a lot of the messaging um, in footy these days seems to be around the feeling in a footy club, allowing players to feel good about themselves and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Adelaide is in last position from that point of view also, um, and they have been since that preseason camp. Um, now. You know how telling that will be um, will be interesting, but I, I, you know they, there's just too much running wrong for them. Too many players that wanted out. Mm. Um, and not all of them got out. No, exactly. You know there were there were rumours around Rory Laird wanting to leave. Now you let a guy like that go, and you are a basket case. Mm. Taylor Walker's um, transformation from being one of the most exciting power forwards in the game to you know, sort of a, a forward flanker. Um, I know it was uh, a I, I know it was a glorified um, sort of training run in many respects. Taylor Walker looked really good in the Victoria All Star game. Um, yeah, I mean, is he is he a, is he the fun is he the quintessential good? Pl- you know, he is only as good as the players around him, sort of guy. So when Adelaide up and about, he looks like a million bucks, but you know, he's not going to drag him kicking and screaming. Well, well, certainly not. And and the the report was when um, that 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 he was a brilliant leader, and that he was the clear leader and the only leader um, at that footy club for for some time. But if we talk about his his playing style, um, and especially lately, he sort of plays like a flanker, and who can play key forward when. You know, I think Jeremy Cameron put it before the All Stars game. He said, "We're going to be offense ten." Defense five, mm. and and we all love watching footy like that. Clear passages for forwards to lead into. Well, Tex is about as good as it gets in that regard because if he takes the catch, he kicks Fair the goal. Enough. He's got one of the yeah. one of the best shoes in the AFL. But um, if there's someone in his space, is he willing to smash through, or is he is he not? You know, and so his fall from grace is extremely dramatic, and um, I. I worry about Adelaide for the years to come. If it wasn't for their incredible recruiting department, which is one of the better recruiting departments in the country, I mean, surely only GW and maybe the Gold Coast can rival Adelaide for the weight of talent that's left that footy club through an era where they were pretty good on field. Yeah, um, but Gold Coast and GWS accumulated that talent through high draft picks. Adelaide, fought, you know, haven't had a top five pick. Ever have they? I mean, yeah, I don't think they have. They found so them through other means. So, and their recruiting department has been magnificent, you know. Mm. And 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 again, you know, do we see guys like Darcy Fogarty? But uh, I don't know. It, for me, it's about um, it's it's not going to be about recruiting good players for Adelaide for a little while. It's going to be about trying to find. Here's what worries me about Adelaide long term, organizationally, and this is this is I'm not talking about the camp stuff and culture and all that sort of stuff. I'm actually talking about like the front office and the balance books and whether they run at a profit and their membership and all that sort of thing. More than any other club in the AFL Adelaide, except maybe West Coast, are built to withstand a root and branch rebuild of the list. They can bottom out. The support will still be there. The financials, the financials will still be there. They could do it. It's just, do they have the ticket to go through what will be 
an Adelaide media shitstorm. You know, if they yeah. start two and twelve, you know, is it a question of is Matthew Nix going to be sacked or is he going to be lynched in Rundle Mall? It's a you good know, point, and maybe maybe the one thing they've got going for them there is that I is that I I can't really have Port Adelaide as a top eight side either, despite a few experts running with them. Um, it's always just there's two teams in the paper, and if one of them's flying, the other one's in trouble. I mean, I've seen Port Adelaide in top four in some respected people's ladders, and um, well, we'll get to that. But yeah, I just <laughs> I just think I I worry about Adelaide's ability to actually say we are rebuilding, and we're going to lose a lot of games, but we'll come out of the other side, and it might not be for a few years. I just don't know if the Adelaide Crows supporters will tolerate that. And and whether the people who run the Adelaide Crows will look the membership in the face and say, this is what needs to be done. So, I don't know. I don't know they how quickly get, they can do it, to be honest. Could, I don't know whether... Because yeah. they keep trying... If they, if they try and half do it, it'll just last longer. And... Yeah. Yeah. Before they bounced up 2015, 20... You know, they've been a, they've been a middling team for a while. They had an opportunity in 2017, um, but, you know, other than a period in 2005, 2006, where they were sort of the AFL's version of the Atlanta Braves, where they were this incredible regular season team who couldn't get it done in the finals. They've just, they've never been the best team. So you take your hat off to them for never mm. being the worst team either, but um, yeah, there's a, there's a period of, of pain coming. I don't. I don't see the quickest. I don't see the quick way out for them. No, we're going to do the quick way out now because we're we're well in and we've got through three teams. Fifteenth, um, <laughs> I've got North Melbourne. Here's my problem with North Melbourne. They were the hastiest out of the teams that had a coaching vacancy last season. They're the ones who didn't run a proper process. They had their guy pretty early on, and that just it just instinctively worries me and more than that i think more than any other i think there were structural cultural problems not of a huge go at st kilda with richardson the players in my opinion became terrified of failing him and that they ended up failing him because they were they were afraid to try anything in case they in case they let him down mm. um carlton you know i just don't think i think bolton's a very good assistant coach he, you know, we, we, we see it all across different sports where a guy can be one-on-one -on -one and doesn't have to be the boss and doesn't have to be the bad guy and be an incredible teacher. But if once he's got, once he's in the big chair, it just doesn't work. I think that's what happened with Carlton. I think Brad Scott's a pretty good coach. They just, it was time. He'd been there 11 years. They had just, they needed a new voice. So, you know, any, I think that bump last year from North Melbourne when they went from Brad Scott to Reese Shaw was a bit of a dead cat bounce. I'm I'm not bullish on North Melbourne. Uh, interestingly, I have um, North and Carlton grouped together, um, only a little higher up the ladder than you do, but I I think they have some terrific young talent. Um, and uh, yeah, maybe I'm not sure about Reshaw, but I'm I'm sure enough that he had them playing for each other. Um, he brought something that not a lot of coaches were bringing towards the end of last year with that sort of brute physicality and a couple of players who seemingly thrived in that environment. They gave Collingwood a 
tremendous touch-up to the tune of 10 goals um, at one stage uh, during Shaw's tenure where um, everything was turning to gold for him and Collingwood got out of the way a couple of times. Famously, Levi Greenwood, who's a pretty tough player, was... Uh, Ex-Kangaroo. Um, yeah, was was called out um, in the aftermath as someone who'd, you know, shirked a particular contest and turned his season around um, uh, off the back of it until the knee. Um, but, yeah, I, I, and I'm not bullish on North Melbourne, but um, I'm loath to write them off because there's there's something about that footy club. Um, Reshaw has at least, is at least very popular. Um, I would say more popular amongst the boys than, than Bolton. Um, and, and yeah, I like the, I like their young talent. I think, uh, young Taron Thomas is a, is a real player. Um, he showed a couple of things with his ability, the way he like uses his body, um, reminds me of sort of Daniel Wells, but in the few games I, I got to see him play for Collingwood. You know, I used to think of Daniel Wells as an outside player, but he was actually incredibly good um, in amongst the footy and, and throwing a bump here and there that sort of went unnoticed unless you followed him closely. Um, Taron Thomas is already showing me a little bit of that and plenty of polish on the outside as well. Uh, I think their youth is pretty good. Um, and so I think they they might find their way up the ladder um, at some point just due to some pretty good talent. Yeah, um, I'm 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 worried about. I think their I think their defence is potentially pretty suspect. Um, you know, Terence thirty thirty one, um, handy piece if, to build around. I'm, I'm absolutely a very very good footballer. Don't get me wrong. Magic Dawes a, a very good footballer, but he hasn't been able to string you know games together for whatever reason. Um, and I and. They haven't been able to fashion the sort of medium and small defenders. Um, yeah, I'm just, I just, I don't know. I, th- I think some of their other players. I mean, what's Ben Cunnington twenty nine thirty? I mean, th- there's no doubt that Cunnington will probably produce a you know a carbon copy season because he's been producing them for four or five years. I mean, we're going to get to the end of Ben Cunnington's career and probably look at the stats and think why why is this guy not going to the Hall of Fame? But you know. I'll set aside. I'll set aside six hours one afternoon to do, to come off the long show back to Michael Holding run on the AFL Hall of Fame. Um, um, yeah, so they do have one of the more more compelling home ground advantages in the AFL with their three games down in Tasmania. But um, I, I I wait to see what happens. I, I think a lot of it had to do with the fresh voice, and now they've gone through a preseason, and Reese won't be so fresh and. I don't know top down. It, it just seems to be one of those teams where you're going to be looking at that 60 to 22 group in the list and thinking, can they take the next leap with, you know, that sort of level of foot soldier? And I agree that they probably can't, but I, I have them marginally ahead of you. No worries. Number 14, I've got the Sydney Swans. I've got a, and you might have them lower, but I just want this to happen. I, yeah, you know, they, they, I think I had one child the last time St Kilda beat Sydney. Um, it hasn't happened in like two Olympiads. It's it's been an age, and it doesn't matter how they're going. It doesn't matter how we're going. Somehow we play them, and they they pump us. And 
I'm tired of it, and I just want to see them. You know, the early 90s are some of the happiest years of my childhood, and Sydney were basically, like, you know, turn on the television on a Sunday afternoon and Sandy Roberts and Ross Glendinning and Bernie Quinlan would be up at Sydney to watch the Swans get flogged by, you know, the Brisbane Bears. <laughs> And you know they've had a they've had an incredible run. The Sydney Swans, you know, all power to them. They won two premierships and made about five or six grand finals. You know, off the top of my head, they've had some incredible players. But uh, pretty much all their best cornerstone players are now on the wrong side of the halfway of their career. I think, except probably Luke Parker. Um, I'll give you a couple more: Callum yep. Mills and Isaac Heaney. Okay. Um, they, they need both of them around the ball the majority of the time now, don't they? They need to make that transition. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And so, you know, we we have them in the same half of the comp, but um, mm. I don't know. I, I can't put them too far down the ladder. You're right. And the Kennedy and, and some of these guys are um, the wrong side. But there's uh, there's enough young talent up there, and and I think Mills and Heaney are in the you know the absolute upper echelon. Guys like Jake Lloyd um, continue to find the footy. Tommy Papley, who had a tremendous hit out in the um, All Stars game. Boy, did he look good! Too much into that, yeah. Um, you know, Will Haywood and some of these guys, Ollie Florent. There's 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 enough to like. I know I'm just listing players, but. Um, mm. And they've had they've had a couple of big losses. Well, certainly an enormous loss in um, Marsh one to the Giants, who definitely have something to prove. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but yeah, I think they'll do enough right to um, you know. And look, how if we're talking about we've 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 listed teams who we both believe will be in the um, bottom half of the comp and and down the nether regions of the ladder, um, and we we've agreed. Um, even if we haven't agreed on the spot, we've agreed where they'll be. Mm. Um, so would you rather finish... Yeah, where have you got them? 14th? 14th. Would you rather finish 14th than 18th um, is a philosophy that a lot of clubs will start to have a think about because... To be uh, fair, I think I think Sydney's view would be it doesn't matter to us. If there's some good academy kid, we're going to get him at pick five. Um and if there's not, we, you know, our pick five will end up having a better career than the pick one because we'll develop him. And it's probably the same, yeah. probably the same mentality that happens at Geelong. You know, it's just like yeah, and it's right. And so you're, we'll get him in at pick fifty, and we'll and we'll put them in the right environment, and they'll end up playing two hundred games. And uh, yeah, can't wait to get to Geelong. Your your <laughs> want for for Sydney to fail. I mean, I, I I've um I've allowed Geelong a number of wins this year, but um. Yeah, I, I'm ready for them to, and to not any, so well. Any soft spot I had for the Sydney Swans died when I went up to Sydney to watch Sydney play St Kilda. It ended up being Lee Montagna's last game. And I had some little snot-nosed nine-year-old Sydney kid sitting in front of me hanging crap on my football team. I'm just like, <coughs> I'm not sitting here, you know, talking about the North Sydney Bears and how your dad's rugby team doesn't exist anymore. I've come up all the way here and you're just, you know... <laughs> Isn't that amazing that uh, we can still be so affected by a nine-year-old? The, um, the lesson here, people, you. is the lesson here, people, is don't have about six schooners before you get to the football. I, w- I went off routine. Um, <laughs> <coughs> speaking of teams we want to see down the ladder, number thirteen, I've got Essendon, 
and I've probably got them this high because I don't trust them, and I've got them this low because I don't trust them. They played finals last year. Their best football is irresistible. Their worst football is the worst football in the competition, just about. But I, what's the plan for Essendon to win their next premiership? That's what I'd like to know. I, I see I see an idea every time they get to trade period, how, how for them to get better next season. I don't see how they're winning their next premiership. Here's another club that, um, if you're looking for a vibe, I think that like maybe I maybe I just get all this wrong, but um, my gut feel is that they've been trying to establish a vibe ever since um, the extraordinary disruption that happened at, at um, their football club. Is that a word? I've just second guessed myself. Disruption. Um, yeah. Um, it's well, not a word that should go without saying. <laughs> um, that club was torn apart. And I think ever since Dyson Hebel's done a very respectful, um, respectable job of, you know, trying to manufacture a good vibe at that footy club. But I suspect there's all sorts of underlying issues there where they, they can't really establish a, a good feeling there that I think they've, I think they've done their best um, and it would have destroyed some clubs. Um, it hasn't destroyed Essendon, but they're not going to be a contender. Um, you know, I think it has to be at play when someone like Joe Danaher wants to leave Essendon. Um, again, like I'm probably, I'm probably too big on the vibe card, but the, the teams up the top for me have a good vibe or an extra and mm. without fail. You know, that's that's yeah. the top six clubs. There's a great vibe there. It seems like a happy place. Everyone talks up how happy it is, and I believe them. Or they they have arguably the greatest list of all time. So, yeah. just, I, I just want to touch on one thing you mentioned there, and yeah. this is how I can reassure myself that as much as I dislike the Essendon Football Club, there are people who dislike them more than me. Heppel is an exceptional footballer, and... I don't understand why people are critical of him. He is an no. exceptional footballer. He, 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 he he's a, and he's a better footballer when the chips are down. Ah, uh, but I'm. I, this is not me saying I'm. I'm yeah. critical of Heppel. No, no, no. I wasn't. Player. I'm just saying. You know, I, I thought you were giving him a rap, and I'm giving him a rap too. I think he's one of the better captains in the league. I think he's a very, very good midfielder. Be, I'd be happy having him in any team I supported. But there's some people who are like, oh, he's just outside or he just gets cheap kicks or, or stuff like that. And I'm just like, do you watch football? Yeah. Well, people people would love to hate the Essendon captain, I'm sure. But the yeah. the the guy who screams captain to me in that footy club is Michael Hurley. And he'd be he'd be one of the first players. If if he was unhappy in any way, I'd love him at Collingwood because he's hard and he's tough and he he loves playing like he loves playing footy for Essendon. He wasn't in the leadership group last year but I I don't know I'm a huge Michael Hurley fan and at times I think it, it's more it's it's less in um I think he's done a fine job at playing footy as you say when the chips are down and lifting when they need a lift but when I see him try like have a laugh with the group it feels slightly slightly less perfect than when I see Trent Koch and allow Jack Higgins to make the pre-game speech Whatever Fair transformation enough. Trent Cochin went through to bring that footy club forward <laughs> with Hardwick 
Like, and to turn himself into the most selfless player in the game and a sort of Luke Hodge Mark II, which Trent Cochin wasn't for, you know, eight years in the comp or six or seven years in the comp, when they became good and it was all of a sudden, it was because Trent Cochin wasn't having 35 anymore. He was having 20 and 15 tackles. Winning, winning helps a lot. But, the, I mean, you're right. The, the transformation in Cochin from... You know the realization of a guy like that is like, oh, I have to, I have to be less important, obviously important for us to be a better team, and I'm, and he, and he thinks that when he's the captain and the best player on the team, because at that stage he is the best player on the team, and it was at that stage when he started thinking that the Dustin Martin became the best player on the team because Cochin allowed him to be. So, how incredible. many clubs could, how many clubs could uh, have a player that would be willing to do that? Yeah, you know, what we're, odds we're, would you have gotten 2016 that that club would be Richmond? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. For, for, and, for four years is a long time in footy. And it shows the quality of, of Trent Cochin. And in my opinion, uh, you know, that's who Dyson Apple's trying to be. But the, the player with the ability to, I don't, well, the player who I'd follow into battle is Michael Hurley. I think he'd just run through a wall for that footy club. And to me, he screams captain, where Dyson Apple, as you say, is a mighty footballer. But um, I just don't like the vibe there. And so I have them lower than you do. Fair enough. And uh, Dan, who wanted to leave and not leaving is a problem. I mean, there was a period during last season where it seemed like Zach Merritt had checked out. Um, who's also a very good footballer when he wants to be. I tend to agree, and you've got the added thing on top of this year, which is the the icing on the cake, which is if they decide they don't want to be coached by John Worsfield anymore, this playing group, they'll whether whether consciously or unconsciously, they'll come to the decision like, well, we'll just drop a few games and they'll make the move and we'll get to the Ben Rutten era quicker than what they planned. And that'll be the season. So I think the likelihood of that happening is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I can't have them. And I, I feel bad because it, it sounds like bias, but the vibe there is not good. I have them below the team. I have 12th, and that is the Carlton Football Club. Um, just like it just it has to happen, doesn't it? <laughs> they've got so much talent. Um, they've got perhaps arguably the best player in the competition this season, although I would argue others but certainly a top 10 player. Um, you know, there was, there was a huge amount of development that happened last season with guys like Harry Mackay, you know, who, you know, destroyed us in that last quarter of the game against the uh, killer game we should have won. Um, and they seem to have found, you know, part of the challenge is when you collect as much talent as a team like Carlton has, which is, which is a challenge that GWS has had and, and other teams that have, you know, gone to the draft is finding roles for everyone where they accept it. You know, there's only one footy. Someone's got to be, you know, the back pocket plumber. Someone's got to be, you know, the pressure forward. So I just, I saw them starting to put those pieces together last season. I think Teague's done a really long apprenticeship. So I think he's got a pretty clear idea of how he wants them to play. I don't think they've got the midfield depth yet uh, to be a finals team. But I think at some stage this season, they're going to take a good team and they're going to destroy them by 10 goals. And that'll be the story of that week. I don't know when it'll happen, but it'll happen. There'll be, there'll be steps taken this year for Carlton. They're not, I don't think they're bottom four anymore. 
I'm with you on that. I think we can move on from Carlton relatively quickly in the interest of getting through the podcast. We have them at yep. a very similar spot. Um, the green shoots are obvious. Um, how much, like 12th won't be enough for Carlton, um, obviously. Um, but it's it's kind of refreshing to see them lose two preseason games. I don't think they're there yet. Um, I think they will finish um, 12th, 13th, that kind of range. Um because too much will still be left to Cripps. The second best midfielder at that footy club is either the ageing Mark Murphy or um, the budding Sam Walsh and Paddy Dow and these guys. And the truth is that if they can, if they can find a level that's closer to Paddy Cripps, that's the moment. But their, their best result this year is if it happens way quicker than anyone's expecting and Sam Walsh is way better than we're expecting then they can have a Brisbane year um, of, of 2019. They're, they're, that's the kind of talent they've assembled. I think that it will happen. Perhaps they'd prefer it to be gradual um, and, and just to sort of fly under the radar a little bit. But um, Certainly the way yeah. they finished last year was re- reminiscent of Brisbane in 2018. So... It wouldn't I entirely right. su- it wouldn't entirely surprise me if the, sw- if the f- switch gets flicked. But I think there is still some overarching issues there with midfield depth. I mean, it, Brisbane, Brisbane, when they flicked the switch last season and they added Lockie Neal, suddenly they had mm. this incredible midfield depth. So, mm, yep. you know, guys like McCluggage and uh, Barry, you know, who were just taking the next step. It sort of reminded you when everyone, when everyone did it at West Coast in the 2000s at the same time and suddenly they had this eight or nine deep midfield before it was fashionable. So... I'm happy to move on from Carlton, and apologies to all the Carlton supporters, but, you know, stiff. Um, (laughs) 11th, I've got Melbourne. And, you know, there's some recurring themes here, but I know not many people thought Melbourne were going to do what they did last season, but in the immortal words of former Arizona Cardinals coach Dennis Green, they were who we thought they were. It It was a fundamentally Melbourne performance last season. They gave only the smallest flicker of hope. And this is a team that's just, it has Ross Lyon reclamation project just written all over it. This is a team that needs some tough love. They got ahead of themselves. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, we spoke about it quite often and towards the end of last season about what went wrong there. And um, were they given a free pass because Goodwin was signed up and, and all of that. Um, They've done as much as they can, in my opinion, to rectify the unrectifiable prior to round one. Um, Fair enough. They entered well. They they look fit. Um, but Tracker looks best... particularly fit. Right. So he looks you, like he's. Yeah, oh, now I've got to be serious about my career. You know. So that he's the perfect example. If if we're talking about a guy who can take them from being uh, very very ordinary last year and on the cusp of it all the previous year, we're talking about the guy with the talent who can who can flick a switch for them. It's Christian Petrarca. So I yeah. suspect that between eleven and nine, or well maybe not, but I suspect that between eleven and nine we have the same three clubs. And I don't have Melbourne at 11, um, but I don't have them making the eight either. Um, Fair enough. 
that I, I think that's where you have to put them because they could equally they could equally have a 2019 or a 2018, um, and a lot of that rests on how you know are we watching fool's gold with Melbourne probably more than any other team um, because we don't know we don't know where they sit and I, you have strong opinions about their list management and outside speed and all that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, they were the, the, other than Secure, they were the team that needed Brad Hill the most. Now, I'm not behind the machinations. Bradley Hill nominated one club he wanted to come Secure, so that happened, and, you know, I'm pretty happy about that. But, you know, he's the type of player they need. They need it's not just necessarily outside speed. It's outside class is what they mm. need. If Petrarca can start doing a reasonable Dustin Martin impression or even a reasonable Jordan DeGoey impression, mm. that will take them a long way. Here's what's in Melbourne's favour. They've got the biggest free whack in round one. They're in Perth against the Eagles. They are, I think, the rankest outsiders with Carlton, who are playing the defending premiers, uh, of the whole week. As in, they're at the longest odds. They And they're playing West Coast in Perth, who's everybody's team du jour this season. Um, this is this this is a classic. You know, if Terry Wallace, and this was the Western Bulldogs in the late 90s, he come up with some sort of gimmick and they go on the road and they come away with the win. You know, if so, if this Melbourne team is fair dinkum, they should just throw the kitchen sink at this game and think, we've got nothing to lose. You know, everyone I'm thinks we're going to get touched. Everyone thinks we're going to get touched up. Let's kickstart our season. This is the most important game we've played since the last, you know, probably the last time we, they were there. Well, they played there last year, on, last week, last year on a Friday night. But, you know, West Coast had them beaten 30 seconds in their preliminary final, and that happens. But um, they've just got a, they, they've got a free whack. They're, no one expects them to do anything in that game. They're off, off, off Broadway. The game is on Sunday night at 6.20 in the evening. Um, just, you know, run someone off the square, off the line, and run through someone in the, the first bounce and just set the tone and just... I, I hope for Melbourne supporters that that, that happens at the same time. Uh, Absolutely terrified of the idea that Melbourne win a flag before St Kilda does. <laughs> yeah, I, like they're they're just a massive watch. I think teams seven to eleven are are the biggest watches. I'd be surprised if anyone came from twelve and down in my estimation to make the eight. And I think I have seven to eleven just about right, but Fair Melbourne I don't... fits solidly in that category, and they they've got to show it. I agree. Number ten, I've got Hawthorne. I had them there before the preseason, where they scared the crap out of everyone. Uh, I okay, they finished the season last season pretty well. There was a very meritorious win in Perth against the Eagles, but I've got more to say on the Eagles. Um, I don't think they're that good. I think they're a very well-coached team. Um, I think they're very deep. They've got a great mix of players. Um, but I watch Tom Mitchell play when he does play, and I'm just screaming at the television, make him kick it. Make him kick it. Don't let him don't let him handball it. Just, you know, it's like this is the same thing I used to do when, you know, one of the opposition ruckmen gets the ball. You know, I, I that that might be unnecessarily disrespectful, but I just think... They're even. They're not great, and I wasn't. I, I wasn't enthused about them before. What apparently was a pretty disappointing preseason. I didn't think they were that bad against us. Uh, pretty, yeah, pretty disappointing preseason is right. Um, 
I've got them higher than you. This might be our biggest um, discrepancy, actually. But um, look, maybe it's nice that uh, Tom Mitchell can handball to uh, to Chad Wingard now. I think those are two pretty handy ins, and I and Wingard's running out of time. He he's been around for a while. He's in like in season nine, I think now. Season eight or nine, he's. 26, 27, you know, he's got to start making it real. Well, the, uh, all Australians, what he, sh- all what he showed twice. in his first few years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the exact kind of player you wouldn't mind coming into the grasp of, uh, of Alastair Clarkson, who oh. is, like, in my opinion, by far and away the greatest coach. I mean, we've talked about it before, but, uh, like, that's why I can't – I mean, sure, they're in that bracket – close watch category, but I don't think Alastair Clarkson cares if they're not winning preseason games, that's for sure. I don't think their membership is under any great threat. Um, I think they're they're doing just fine. And you add Mitchell and Wingard into that mix and who very well knows. They're also talking up McAvoy until he hurt himself, which is a bit of a shame um, to play behind a, the ball all year. As and a centre-half back. Yeah. It's very old-fashioned. You know, it is very old. Play set a half back who sort of takes grabs. Yeah, yeah, but they uh, they um, for a little while there. Um, well, as a Hawthorne supporter, I wouldn't want him playing on a hit up. I wouldn't want him playing on a Tom Lynch of Adelaide and getting drawn to the wings. Because yeah, Lynch is just going to knock up in his own ball. You can coach against that. You can put McAvoy in the ho- in the hole all night, perhaps thinking that Segler is actually a pretty handy ruckman and and better forward of the ball. Um. And just put oh, McAvoy I'm, in the hole. I'm, I'll, I think Ben McAvoy is a pretty good footballer. I've, I've seen plenty of him play, so he's yeah. a very smart footballer. So, um, you know, more than any ruckman in the league, he's probably one who's going to figure it out above the neck, but he might not have the physical tools um, to get it done. You know, if he plays it straight. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they make the finals. They're going to be they're going to be a tough W, pretty much every week. I would think. I mean, yeah. Clarkson fixed that three years ago, and they've been a tough team to beat ever since. I mean, except for one, you know, like two months of the 2017 season, I think they've been tough to beat. Regardless, I'm going to confirm my uh, status as a massive homer by telling you that Port Adelaide is the team I have in ninth place. Really, is there any other place for them? Uh, well, the first thing I'll, I'll highlight here. Um, and sorry to move off Port Adelaide so quickly if you barrack for them, but um, mm. they've obviously your your own club has obviously sold you plenty um, yes. with WW, and I look forward to hearing about them. But um, uh, look, you, you're exactly right. What um, Port's another club that uh, a lot of people are talking up. We spoke about it already. People have them in the top four. People think there's enough. There's enough there. Um, another club that lost a couple of players and, um, and I, would good think players. The, I would think the list is less talented than it was last season. Yeah, I think they're relying certainly. on a they're relying on a bit of improvement from first year players from last season, and history tells you that that's a bit of a coin flip. Second year players playing better you in the second season than their first season. Yeah, it happens as often as it doesn't. Folk had his best year. Um, yeah. Hal Pepper is a, is is the you know the quintessential Port Adelaide player. 
Um, absolute class, but he's been around a while. Hamish Hartlett, you know, and then as you say, these this um pretty fresh and exciting group um, of young players led by Connor Rosie, who is there's no doubt he's special, but um you know you don't you don't dominate year two because you dominated um, year one. In fact, you suddenly clubs are putting a lot more focus on you. Um, I have poured outside the eight, and I'm happy to move on. No worries. I have them too. Who do I have inside the eight? Yes, we're into the top eight now, and I've got St Kilda eighth. Um, it's it's very simple. I think they're better than the other 10 teams I have below them. And obviously I watch St Kilda, you know, I, I watch every minute of every St Kilda game. Um, I just want to, I just want to, and reasons for my optimism about Sunday's result will become clear as I get through the rest of my ladder. I know probably the, the defining moment in the Collingwood St Kilda game was Pendlebury Adams going off at half time, but the momentum of the game had been changed before then. There were there was a point in the last quarter. I know it's a preseason game. There's a point in the last quarter where St Kilda kicked three or four behinds in a row and just couldn't get in front. And I was like, I think I've seen this movie enough. Happened a lot in the last two years where, you know, St Kilda would make a run and they just couldn't get in front. And then the other team would go up the other end and kick goal out at the end of the game. That just yep. simply didn't happen. The Sakilla just persisted and persisted and arm wrestled that game off Collingwood. Collingwood are a top to bottom professional football side who are, you know, you you don't beat Collingwood easily at all ever. It's never it's never given to you. It's never oh they were off tonight and we were we just you know let's go out and do another five k run because we didn't have to work. Um, the team now. Seems to be extraordinarily deep. I share the same uh, thoughts about a lot of other people, like with a, with the lack of A grade talent. But I mean, this might be the most disappointing thing about you know the obvious worldwide problems that I don't want to make light of. But I was really, really, really looking forward to sitting in my seat on level two of the Darklands watching. Bradley Hill streamed through the middle of the ground and put it on the chest of Tim Membry. That was, I just went, well, the first time that happened, I was just going to stand up and do the slow hand clap. Because it's like, it's been a while since anyone at St Kilda has done that. He is a pleasure to watch kick the football. Yeah. You don't have to do anything else. He is a pleasure to watch kick the football. It is entertainment. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He's a, he's a wonderful addition and he's turned himself into a very, very good player. Like, the ultimate piece to add to, as you mentioned, a club like the Saints and a club like the Demons who just need just polish. Like <laughs> so I've been playing AFL nines and I, I AFL sevens, I should say, and tried to break away from a um, a contest where my man had fallen over the other day, and I, I was I was at full flight, which um, was probably a lot less impressive. And then thought, <laughs> oh look, options here because I've I've broken a line. Um. I'll, I'll just take either. And in, and because I was going at full flight, which was not impressive at all from the sidelines, I managed to absolutely just shank it in between the two of them and turn you the ball did over the, instantly. The bowler and the keeper are both calling for it. I'm throwing it down the middle of the pitch. Yeah, exactly. From, from deep mid-wicket. It's, 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 um, it's three games of sevens uh, on... Um, back-to-back 
uh, Tuesday nights that has shown me the value of a Brad Hill because <laughs> at top speed, I can't do anything. Um, <laughs> certainly not kick a ball. And I don't think anyone I've played against has reached top speed, really. Um, he's, he is. He's a, he's a really classy footballer. Um, mm. And there's, there's plenty to like. Um, the other addition I'm really excited about is after watching the first two games is Dan Butler. Um, he wants to tackle blokes. Um, it was the one thing, if I could get into my own personal football narrative, it's the one thing I was good at playing football. And it's true of everything in life. You can't be good at something if you don't want to do it and you don't enjoy it. Well, maybe mm. you could be something if you don't enjoy it, but if you don't want to do it, um, you know, when I tackled a bloke and I, he, his body hit the middle of chest, it was, I imagine that's what a cover drive off the middle of the bat felt like because I never did that. <laughs> and it was just like, you tr- I can feel you trying to get away and it ain't happening. You're coming down, the whistle's blowing. And, you know, he wants to tackle blokes. He will chase down. Blokes. I mean, if they ever get Matt Parker up and about and Butler in the same forward line and get, get a team, you know, messing around with a little in the back half, it's going to be something to watch. They're going to look like deer in the headlights because those two guys just want to chase and tackle and pressure and hunt. So It's good It's good to have a team like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I maintain that the Paddy Ryder-Rowan Marshall mix is, um, yeah. is one to watch at St Kilda I, and probably the, the biggest question mark. Um, I went... I went pretty hard on the hyperbole machine on Bigfooty this week talking about Ryder and Marshall individually, where I suggested mm. that one, Paddy Ryder might be the best pure tap ruckman of his generation, which is probably might be overstating a little bit. <laughs> but <laughs> I described Rowan Marshall as the evolutionary Luke Darcy with a little bit of Simon Madden thrown in. And interesting. <laughs> as in and you I, I you watched the Collingwood game. When Marshall went forward he nearly took two or three really clever, pure key position forward marks. They just didn't mm. come off. But he got he got position on his on his man. I don't know if it was Magden he was on or more or how, but pretty handy defenders, at least two of them. And you know, incomplete on Magden. I haven't seen a lot of him, but but he just uh, worked. His, he had body position. Though. He know he knew where the ball was going to drop, and he was able to. You know, he looked like a forward. Um. There's a whole cornucopia of opportunity that is opened up by the Ryder-Marshall combination because Marshall is a he's a clearance beast in the same way. You know, Darcy changed ruck play in the early 2000s. He was the best player in the competition in 2002, won all the awards except the Brownlow, be, by becoming this clearance beast. But if he can then drop forward, he's also, you know, and this is something that's happened recently, he's an excellent field kick. And Ryder is an excellent kick and an excellent kick for goal. So they can keep the two of them on the park, and it's just like, well, the game's changing a little bit. We're going to go with something different in the ruck, and we're not going to lose that much at the other end. That is just, you know, it, it, it could be game-changing in terms of how I, the game's played for, for at least the couple of years while Ryder is uh, productive. I sort of agree with you, but I wonder whether it may present a problem in year one. Um, I... I think they are both quite good in front of the ball. Um, Max King's the other one I want to talk about quickly before we move on because he yep. only did a, he did a couple of small things in that game where you just went, oh, wow. 
you know, there was the the front and square that where he he snapped uh, might have been the Saints' first goal for the afternoon, and in the next passage of play, he let out and had five meters on his bloke. And um, oh, he's quick. You, he's super quick. And and that's enough, isn't it? Like that. Uh, There's one thing I look for for key position forwards when they're just starting, and that's clunk. That's the one thing I look for. As in, you can't teach clunk. Yeah. You've either got the good hands and the size of the hands where they just it just sticks, or you don't. And he's got it. So as soon as I as soon as I saw him, I, I think I can remember seeing him uh, playing for Sandringham on Channel Seven, um, and he just ran a couple of marks. And he just, they just one grab, and I just thought, yeah. yeah, we're fine, we're fine. Yeah, no, I really. And unfortunately, really Paddy, 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 Paddy never had it, so. You know, as much as I, you know, wanted that to, you know, happen, and obviously didn't happen for other reasons. But Max King just looks like, I mean, with his quickness on the lead, um, his size. If he, can, if he can get a goal kicking routine, um, then yeah, his size. I mean, just won't be able to defend him if he's that quick. You won't be able to punch the ball. And no. if he if he can take pack marks, then what is he missing? Yeah, well, I agree. Um, he, he's like. That's no, interesting because you, you like by those numbers you could say that Darcy Moore was very similar and he's he's going to find his niche in the AFL, mm. um, um, but it's not necessarily as the key forward. Um, but Max King is uh, certainly something very exciting for Saints people. Um, Marshall Ryder, just to to finish up, yep. I uh, I wonder whether Ryder's best footy was as number one ruck. And Rowan Marshall was extraordinary in 2019 as a first ruck. So, um, you know, if they can find that balance, then you're right. It's an incredible positive. But, you know, uh, it lately, is Collingwood's, been, Collingwood's been farming out. Ruckman, we, like, we're, we're trying to find a place for Mason Cox, who whose best position is probably first ruck. We have the best ruck in the game. And Jared Witts is a very, very handy ruck for the Gold Coast. Um, it's become and, like goalkeepers in in soccer, as in you literally can only play one of them. Really, right. for most and, clubs, and, unless unless they can really hold down a position on merit somewhere else on the ground. Correct, which is where they where the Saints have a massive potential advantage. But it will be mm-hmm. interesting because a, a lot of these guys, you know, like even if Grundy could go forward and take a catch, which has never been his main strength, he couldn't really play Grundy and Wits in the same side because. There's something about the rhythm of the game that goes missing if they're not up against their opponent for ninety percent of the game time. And, and, and Wits, like, Wits was tried as a forward extensively, really, wasn't he? Mm, yeah, correct. And if you take if you take ruck opportunity away from Grundy for fifty percent of game time, he'll he'll just fail in the fifty percent that he's in the ruck. Mm. Like he 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 thrives on beating his bloke across hundred and twenty minutes. Yeah, so um, it remains to be seen. But the Saints, the Saints are a massive watch, and it's WW to start the year. They're another one that I would say definitely wanted to do that after all the recruiting they did. Yeah, I think so, and I think I think the Hawthorne game was it just you know it tracked along, and it was a high scoring game. So you know, I don't think I don't think it was a hugely high intensity game. There were things to like, but the Collingwood game, I think the guys thought the St Kilda guys thought, okay, you know. There's a there's a there's a meritorious win of a preseason game on offer here. Let's put shoulder to the grindstone and get it done. One last thing about St Kilda, very quick. Um, Tim Membry is a career twelve or thirteen disposals per game player. 
I think he's had 20 disposals in a game in a proper AFL game once. He had 24 or 25 against Hawthorne. If memory averages 20 disposals a game, he's All-Australian. That's the prediction. I agree with that. And there's a bloke on Big Footy who you might be familiar with, Nightmare, um, who's a Uh, fantastic draft guru. And and when he was selected, um, Nightmare felt he lacked the size despite you know, an incredible capacity to take catches and kick goals in the juniors. He thought his ultimate position would be as a JPK, like a big bodied midfielder. Um, Mm. And, and he thought they were recruiting for that very purpose. So, um, you know, maybe we haven't seen the last of that as an option. Um, And he would certainly be a bull in the midfield if he could end up, if he could end up finding it 25 times. Okay, Cam. Tell me why Geelong, you might be the right, wrong person to ask this question, but tell me why Geelong are going to finish higher than seventh, because that's where I have them. <laughs> I am the wrong person to ask, and I have them in the eight too. Um, incredibly, I've managed to find a spot lower than seventh for them. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, look, I, I find them a tedious football club to watch, um, which is ridiculous, because Paddy Dangerfield is a star, and you know, Tim Kelly was a brilliant player last year. He's he's gone now. I I, I don't see why they're better. Um, I don't see why. But 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 I also like with that incredible home ground advantage. I don't see why they wouldn't win enough games. And which is why any prediction. They start at seven or eight, don't they? If they have a, you know, maybe if the Swans come to July, they they've won down there a few times. I can't remember the last time a team not in that. Well, GWS won there last year. Maybe it's just New South Wales teams. But, um, yeah, they're at, they're at seven or eight wins to start the season because of of, of Kidinia Park. So, um, I don't – I don't. their list profile looks a lot like Adelaide's. Exactly. Um, exactly. Um, but you can't write them off. Write them Haw- off at your peril. Hawkins and Jenkins in the same team is going to work well. Um, I just feel like they would have been better off re-recruiting Dan Menzel. Um, who I rated higher than some other people, I think, maybe Chris Scott included. Um, and Tim Kelly hurts them. And, I mean, there's nothing they could do about it, and they've probably got some young talent in, but that's not necessarily going to help them straight away. Um, I think this, I think you've also got to think of guys like Mitch Duncan. Mitch Duncan's certainly not in the first half of his career anymore. Maybe he's in his prime, but we're waiting to see the end of that prime. Um a very, very good footballer, don't get me wrong. But, you know, and this is what, year five of Dangerfield and Geelong, I think. Um, you know, talk today of, you know, what will Ablett do if he gets dropped? Um, I just, <laughs> it's not a lot I like. And I, I think I'm the same. I mean, they're, they're not, they're not making me switch the channel. Um, Friday night, the game goes on. Geelong are playing and it's not a really cracking contest. It's probably bedtime at halftime. So they were you know, they were ordinary to watch last year. And I look at their list now and I just I am not again, I'm not excited. Tim Kelly was the most exciting player with Dangerfield, obviously, on that list, but um he's gone. And so it's the GMHBA factor that will um, garner them a place between 7th and 11th, but I can't have them winning too many finals. Fair enough. Are we ready to stop talking about Geelong? Oh, mate, I was ready. I-, I was ready a while ago. 
Can I give you now? I'm now I'm gonna. This is the one everyone's been waiting for, right? This is the I'm gonna. This is the smack in the face. I've got West Coast sixth. D. Yep, and this is the reason. All the analytics say that they were like eighth or ninth best team in the competition. Like they kicked for goal exceptionally well. They built two or three wins on that fact alone. Um. Mm-hmm. They have an incredible home ground advantage in terms of uh, winning games up the stadium, but it's also not very good for, you know, having a fit team all the time. And that's why I've got them where they are. I've got them I've got them sixth. I think they'll be a very I think they'll be a good team. But I like other teams more and I just think this is this is this is your classic reverting to the mean situation. I know they won the flag two years ago, but um I don't love him. I don't love him, even with Tim Kelly in. Yeah. Uh, look, maybe I've been swayed by the public opinion, but I I don't have them sixth. I think... Um, I think most people have them top four or top two. Yeah. Well, yeah. I'm, I'm probably leaning towards the back half of that category. Um, there's, there's enough. There's enough, you know. Like, if your inclusions for the year are Tim Kelly and Nick Natanui, you're in a really good spot. Um. Grundy probably doesn't look as threatening to the whole competition if, or certainly Gorn, but, but, but Nick Nat, you know, being the other one who went up and firing lays claim to that throne, um, really deep midfield that just got deeper. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, then, guys like Sheed, he took, you know, obviously from what he did in the grand final, apologies to bring that up, but, uh, <laughs> You know, he he took his game to a next level on the confidence that he built from that. So he was a very good player last year. Their midfield is exceptionally deep and in his A grade, absolutely. Um, and they're they're the only they're the only team that can sort of lay claim to having anything like the kind of Geelong advantage. You know, yeah. again they they do they do enough right. They make the finals. They have a coach who's been there before. Um, you know, guys I think like Elliot Yo. I think they're a defence that can be had, though, by a team, a well-coached team that's and a, and a team that sticks to a game plan. Yeah, Barasco found out a little bit that year. Um, you can kick goals on a bunch of them. Um, you kick a, you can kick a bunch of goals on them. Um, having said that, they'll probably go and win the flag. Speaking uh, of well, teams, I think I think teams from six and up can win the flag, and we have the same six teams, and we have them in a different order. So we've got the same. We've probably got the same three groups of six, um, or certainly the sa- same. The bottom seven, the middle five, and the top six seems to be, which is pretty much exactly what happened with my NBA preview with Adam. Um, speaking of reverting to the mean, I've got Brisbane fifth, and I think they'll be better this season, and they'll finish lower on the ladder. <laughs> yeah, that's a good prediction. Lost, I mean, they've lost Hodge, and that's 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 it. Um, They've got, you know, one of the four or five players in the competition I like to watch the most, um, and that is Charlie Cameron. I saw him just put us on a platter mid-season, which was just it was just it was just an an, an exemplary performance in small forward play. Um, he's also a pretty good he- lead leading forward too, which means he's got those strengths of the boat. So you know. He's probably the player who reminds one the most of Stephen Milne in terms of that being able to play um, 
as a marking forward and as a crumbing forward. Um, their midfield is deep and excellent. At some stage, Stefan Martin's probably going to, I mean, he's getting towards the end of his career, I'd think. Um, and, you know, they've lost Hodge, but they brought in Grant Birchall. So, you know, if he, I don't know if he's the poor man's Hodge or the homeless man's Hodge, but he's going to give you some of what uh, Hodge gave yeah. you. And, you just can't compare those two players, I don't reckon. But um, yes. yeah, like it certainly brings experience and some flags. Mm. But um, but yeah, I mean, what Hodge did? We're going to have to reevaluate Luke Hodge's career, aren't we? If they haven't already, what he did in Brisbane was incredible. Yeah, well, I mean, it was. I mean, he was retired. He had a press conference where he announced he wasn't playing football anymore, and then he played two more exceptional seasons of football, and the team went from sort of last to first. In those yeah. two years, I mean, it's hard to think of a player, you know, adding to his legacy under those circumstances. Anyone? Bob Simpson doing it. Bob Simpson. <laughs> I was wearing real flannels in those. I was real cricket in those days. Um, <laughs> well, just look at what something like James Kelly did at Essendon, which is you know on a much smaller scale, but a similar sort of thing. You know, he was finished, and then he went to Essendon because of the the suspensions and everything and had a very successful last two, three years of his career. But mm. I'm sure we could find one. Um, I'm sure we put could. Your, but, put um, your suggestions on the Facebook page. Uh, it should go without saying, Pod. But um, I'm sure I'm forgetting something. But an, an incredible career, Luke Hodge, and still not the best number one pick ever. Um, <laughs> I, I'm totally, totally objective in that regard. It was Anthony Panic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got I've got GWS at number four, and I thought very long and hard about putting them lower. And okay. the reason the reason why I did is who was the last team to recover from a grand final loss like that? Um, yeah, I think you're right, and I just wonder whether it was it was uh, Essendon we... in '84 for everyone playing at home. I think. <laughs> I mean. GWS have gone WW in the preseason and find me a better form line than a hundred point win against Sydney and then and then beating Richmond who were potentially a little bit stung by getting rolled by Collingwood dramatically the week before but without their best players and they come out and uh, I mean five goals for Toby Green who's a big in this year. Josh Kelly looks poised to do all manner of stuff, and Stephen Coniglio didn't get to didn't get to play. I mean, and that's the reason why I haven't dropped them is because you know they they considering what happened to them last year injury wise, they had no business making the grand final. If they can find if this is the team, this mm. is the team here that can discover a vibe. <laughs> And I'm big on vibe, and we've discussed that already. But if they can discover a vibe and not just be a a team full of extraordinary talent, and and the talent is unquestionable, and every year there's a couple of newbies, and this year it's it's Tom Green, who has lit up and done a couple of things that have just made me go, oh, wow, I would love him down at Collingwood. He'd be a for sure starter in round one at Collingwood, and I don't know if if he'll play for the Giants – you know, we'll see better footy from Hopper and we'll see better footy from um, 
there's a there's a couple of guys, Haitley in that midfield, who just look ready to explode, and they might still mm. have to play a fair bit of of twos. Isaac Cumming is a guy who's who's arrived. Nick Haynes is an absolute jet. Can fill, he's filled he's a, he's, fitter. He's a gun. Haynes yeah. is a gun. He is he is an exceptional defender. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, just takes the, marks uh, at will. Let me put it this way: They're the only team in the competition that can win twenty games in the home and away season. They're the only one who can do it. There's no other yeah. team in the competition that could go twenty and two. Because they, they, I mean, if, every, if all the right. pieces fit and everything and everything started to work for them, they would just lay the smack down. Yeah, yeah. Got, I, I have them in a similar position, but um, but they're the team that could surprise, and it, like it might all come down to the vibe. It's Marbo. It's the vibe. It's become a real thing, punter. I'm like increasingly in my my sort of middle age. I'm uh, I'm increasingly Mate, aware that there are happy teams and good teams at the top, and you are, pretty ordinary, you are, shitty vibe teams at the bottom. You are four and a half years younger than me. Please do not refer to yourself as middle aged. Um, <laughs> um, I'm forty in like twelve weeks, and one must delay the inevitable. What well, won't be delaying the way my body feels after a game of seven. <laughs> What won't be delayed at all? I've got the Western Bulldogs third. I've been bullish on the Bulldogs for a number of seasons. Um, they still have enough premiership players. They have the guy who could be the next best player in the competition, in my opinion, in Bontempelli. They appear to have addressed uh, areas of need in the trading period and the preseason. What they've got to do is, and this was their only real problem last season, they've got to stop losing to bad teams. Yeah. They they made a nice recovery from losing to bad teams in the early part of the year. They, lo- they, they lost, lost their St. season. St. Kilda in, the in round season. 18. Well, come on. St. Kilda are the greatest team um, ever assembled. Um, I, I, have, I have the dogs in a similar spot. I think most pundits have the dogs in a similar spot. Um, I agree on Bont. Um, yeah, he was the one... I mean, Toby Green started kicking goals in the All-Star game, but the Victorians suddenly went, we're going to win this because we care about Victoria. It was incredible. Bon- he looked bon- that was disinterested for three quarters. Yeah. And then Cripps got him with this tackle and let him know about it a little bit. And after that, it was like, don't poke the bear. He and was, bon- was every just contest like- after that. And, and it was just it involved multiple times. He's an yeah. incredible footballer. I made um, this point. There are some footballers who you want to push around because you're getting their head, and there are other footballers you just want to put to sleep. You just don't talk to them. Don't trash talk that guy. Talk to him about anything else. Best example, and I've probably mentioned this many times, 09, North Melbourne versus Kilda Scott Thompson, you know, one of the all-time great pests, decides to start to niggle Justin Kaczynski when he should be trying to talk to him about Survivor or Married at First Sight or whatever television show passed for entertainment in 2009. And he just provokes Cozzy into this six-goal performance. You know, it's just like, now you've got me interested. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, perfect. Some, it couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. And that's what that's what that's what Cripper's did Cripper did to Bont. And Bont got interested. He wasn't interested before. He was like, I'm not getting hurt. I'm not going near that. Oh, and then he was just like, No, no, this you you my name is Juan Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> perfect. Um, and he is in the you know he's in the best three midfielders at the Western Bulldogs, which is why they are, uh, you know he is the best, he's the most classy. But they 
like they've just got this really lovely mix um, in the mids, and and oh, that their midfield is exceptional. That could propel them to the absolute, um, and they could win a flag off the back of it, or um, you know they could be middling because they're they're not sure of themselves forward and back of centre. Um, I I don't know, but the midfield's good enough to get them close. I happen to agree. You've worked out. Have we got the same top two teams? No, we haven't. No. Okay. So I think I know which team we both have in our top two. So okay. let's talk about them. That's Richmond. Um, I don't really have any good reason for not having them winning the flag, other than their their style of play isn't foolproof. They got figured out, and in you know a couple of years ago. I just, they're incredible to watch. And Dustin Martin, I think Dustin Martin's a better player in his prime than Gary Ablett was. Junior. Um, he's the best player in the competition by some distance. And, and, you know, was he the best player on the ground during the Victoria game? I don't know. But he was, he was, he was the best player on the ground, if you know what I mean. Um, he's just able to, do things and make them look so simple that, and just change games. He's the kind of player that um, you'd be get, dead set worried if you were a St Kilda dad with three boys. You'd be dead set worried that one of them would come home and say, "Cut my hair like that," because I'm Dusty Martin from now on, and you will address me as Dusty, and we will move forward with that going on. In, and that's excellent. That and if unless you play like Dusty, you're going to be unemployed. Um, <laughs> but I mean, we know what we're talking about. Like, like yeah. Jared, Jared made this point the other day on SCN and, and he talked about, um, you know, the, 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 the biggest draw card in the game and it's been buddies for a long time. That's how he got, that's how he got nine years and that's how he found his way up to Sydney and, um, and it, it, watching buddy for the last 15, well, however long has been an absolute privilege. Um, yes. And I hope I hope we get to see him play his best footy again. But there's, there's he's comfortably the biggest draw card in the game. And whether I, I've seen multiple games where I would doubt that when the whips were cracking, he was the best player on the ground. Um, Dusty, I should say. But mm. um, but when it's <laughs> when it boils down to it, it's so easy to give him the votes. It feels right, um, and look, he'll look, he'll have wrong. those. Don't get me wrong. After season two of Buddy, I was telling people that the 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 ceiling for Buddy was goat, as in he could be the greatest of all time. He, you know, he had the unique physical skills for a man that size that he could just change the game. I mean, and he did to a certain extent. Um, I just my question about Dusty is: is this what it was like watching Lee Matthews in his in his pomp? In the mid seventies, well, when he was my, chucking the, out twenty five and three every week, the easy answer is no, because it was Lee himself who was um, who was sort of um, saying that Dusty's year through the first flag year was unlike anything we'd seen, and for mine, I'd watch Nat Fife had a better have a better year. Um, a couple of years previous in 2015, I thought that was the best year of footy that I could remember. I remember Judd tearing it up for years 
And then people were bringing up stats about Lee Matthews' best year, and it left Dusty in his wake. You know, like there's there's like ninety odd goals and five hundred disposals, and not and not playing not playing as a permanent forward. Yeah, Yeah. so like like uh, the the easy answer is no there, and uh, like I I still don't think Dusty's reached uh, Buddy Franklin um, heights as far as the whole crowd going absolutely berserk, but maybe that's a forward thing, you know, because I remember noise like that around Fev. My Dusty story was, uh, unfortunately, uh, for Nick Rewalt's last game was against Richmond. It was the season that Richmond won the first premiership. And unfortunately, uh, we had managed to book tickets right in the middle of a Richmond members area. And (laughs) I just looked around and Dusty was out of contract at the end of 2017. Um, I was even looking around, and every time he went off, he got a standing ovation. And I just, I just, I just turned to mum and said, "He'd be crazy to, to, to leave. He'd be crazy to turn his back on this, yeah. you know." Um, and now he's off the grog, so who knows what's going to happen? Because I, I, from what I understand, everything I've gleaned, all the information and the anecdotes I've heard about Dusty, alcohol was the problem. So. Yeah, look, I'm with you. It, he's, a, he's a star, and he's when, and Richmond are firmly in the conversation. And we've only talked about one player, but um, if you want a, a club with a good vibe, um, slightly damaged by the um, exit of uh, Alex Rance, but um, yeah, like a. Um, I mean, yes, yeah. but but let's not understate Dylan Grimes' season last season. I mean, Superb. and. And and Richmond came good as soon as Grimes consistently got on the park, so yeah, there's causation and all that sort of palaver. But you know, probably about the same time Trent Cochin decided he didn't, you know, he had to be not the best player at Richmond. It was probably the same time Grimes got fit. Um, yeah, and last season a- when Dust, last season 2019 when Dusty turned the corner, Richmond didn't lose again. And yeah, you're right, you're right. He it, he came home with a wet sail, and they're a yeah. club that like they're also a club that I would say you can't really identify. Um, you know, when Rance was there and you could sort of rattle off Rewalt, um, Martin, Lynch, Rance, Cochin, you know, and you could pick out their five best players. But, like, on paper, it, it thins out after that. It, you know, as from a list perspective, it reminds me of the St Kilda team that always had the great best five players and then, you know, it sort of petered away and we were forever talking about St Kilda's bottom six. Um, I think that was more true in 2017 than it was last year. I think, you know, other guys like Grimes, Dion Prestia, Shane Edwards, yeah, Shane Edwards has has moved into that that middle group. Um, I don't know how important Josh Caddy was than last year. But he was certainly important in 2017. Um, even a guy like Nankervis, you know, um, and just some of the little things he does. Um, and we're all really eagerly awaiting Marlon Pickett's second game. Um, Definitely. What, what a great story. Unpopular opinion, that might have been the easiest first game anyone ever had to play. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I might have come third in the Norm Smith fight. All credit to him, and you've got to go out there and play. But re- everyone realizes that blind turn that he did, that it wasn't a GWS play within five meters of him. <laughs> I was very but pretty. that's because of the blind turn. But now he's a premiership player. You know, so he's going to have that confidence. He's a two-time premiership player. The moral of this story is 
when the coach comes to you the Saturday before a VFL fight grand final and says, we want to leave you out just in case someone's injured for next week's AFL grand final, tell them to get stuffed. Go and play yeah. in a premiership because the chances are if you play well, you're just going to play in two premierships. So It's true. It's true. Those two boats Stephen were very King, unlucky. Stephen King did it in 07. Marlon Pickett did it last year. One for the week and one for Sunday best. Here's why Collingwood's going to win the premiership. Oh, wow. They're the best coach team. They have the deepest and best list. And they are going to be pissed off about last season because Buckley came out this week and said he regrets calling it a waste. No, that's what it was. And none of those players are going to forget about it. There'll be, you know, for a number of the players, it's their last chance. The go is going to be better. Um, you get 20 games out of Darcy Moore, that's a huge plus. Um, I don't know if you've made any changes in your medical department, but if you have, you'll suddenly, you, you, I think you'll find out you'll suddenly be fitter. Because I think if you had three or four years in a row where blokes keep getting injured, that's not an accident anymore. So I, I just think you're going to turn around. If you can figure out who your second forward is, you know, you know who is it Mason Cox or is it someone else, you know, coming in there and giving Brody the 10 minute, you know, the 10% of game time. But, you know, second year back for Jamie Elliott fit. Um, Steel side bottom is just an incredible. I mean, it's just the depth of that midfield. I mean, where it goes after, you know, Pendlebury, Trelaw, Adams, side bottom. You know, I've probably missing. And then you throw Dugowie in there and. There was a couple of goals that Sidebottom kicked on Sunday where it was like, I think it was one where Main was like, had the ball in his hands and was pointing to Sidebottom, go there so I can handball it to you so you can kick the goal. And that was the second one. The first one was just like, Sidebottom gets this, oh, it's, you know, it's in. He's just going to put it across his left and just run back to the wing, you know, with that huge grin on his face. Yeah. Yeah, he's a classy player. And, um, I mean, I'm a Collingwood supporter. Yeah, and it's an, you've you brought a smile to my face with that little description. A, I don't have a it, finish. The year, the year ends in zero. 1990, 2010, 2020. Didn't happen in 2000. That was an asterisk year. And, you know, you won the first five games. Um, 1980, you're in a flag. 1970, you're in a flag. 1960, you're in... You're, sorry, not, those years were in a grand final. You haven't... 2000, the other year since 1950, where you've missed a grand final where you've, the year's ended in a zero. So, Pies and my No one would be happier shit. than me. No one will be happier than me. And and I think, like, I, trust me, I'm aware of all the omens. Um, and I think this year, you know, and, we, get the, we get the year, we get the Melbourne blows up grand final, we get Collingwood and Richmond, and no one's going to be allowed in the ground. It's just... <laughs> um, it's over by September. Uh, yes. I mean, if you if we're looking at patterns, it is over by September. Maybe you'll even be able to go to the footy by round four or five. Um, the sooner the better. Um, That's not to say Collingwood are, you know, better than a 50-50 bet in round one against the Bulldogs at, at, at the Docklands. At the Dome. Yeah. Well, you've pulled, you've, you know, put in some shockers this season uh, in the last few years. So St Kilda are very happy to travel to the Docklands to play an away game against you guys in May. We love it when that happens. Now that we've gone through all the teams, I'm going to go through the ladder from just very quickly from bottom to first. So Gold Coast 18th, Frio 17th, Adelaide 16th, North Melbourne 15th, Sydney 14th, Essendon 13th, Carlton 12th, Melbourne 11th, Hawthorne 10th, Port Adelaide 9th, the Mighty Saints 8th, Geelong 7th, West Coast 6th, Brisbane 5th, GWS 4th, Bulldogs 3rd, Richmond 2nd, Collingwood 1st. Having said that, teams that finish first don't win the premiership anymore, so. (laughs) What does your ladder look like, Cameron? 
Uh, well, there's some there's some identical moments and some very similar vibes. But from 18th, it reads Gold Coast, Adelaide, Frio, Essendon, North Melbourne, Carlton, Sydney at 12, St Kilda at 11. So there's a discrepancy for you. Um, Port at 10, Melbourne at 9, Geelong at 8, Hawthorne 7, Brisbane, the Western Bulldogs, uh, GWS at fourth, Collingwood at third, Richmond second, and West Coast, uh, the eventual premier. No worries. Uh, quick sneaky prediction for Brownlow, Coleman, Rising Star. I'll make it Brownlow. easy for you. All right. The Brownlow is going to be the Rising Star is going to be Max King, and the Coleman's <laughs> going to be Max King, and the Brownlow is going to be Max King. Wow, unprecedented. No, the uh, the Brownlow will be bombed. Uh, you know what? I've I've ticked him off as my Brownlow prediction as well, and it it happened yeah. in that All Star game when they when Vicks turned the corner. I think yeah. I, I've got Bond from Kelly and Cripps. Um, Josh or Tim? Josh? Okay, Josh from Kelly and Cripps, and I'll put an asterisk on Brody Grundy because it'd be nice if the umpires could start to see it the way that I see it. That would um, be wonderful. Yeah. And then what about the Coleman? Uh, safe bet, Jeremy Cameron. You can stay on the pitch. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm a bit boring with the Coleman because the three names I've thrown in are Lynch, Cameron, and Brown. Um, yeah, I'll leave it there because I like it's it's hard to go outside those names um, unless you throw in a Kennedy or a Rewalt and then you're, you're still boring. Dark horse would be Charlie Cameron to get to see. Yeah, I'd love to see. Yeah. I'd love to see Charlie Cameron or, or you know, someone like that break the mould completely. If we're talking about 60 goals, then Jordan DeGoey can win it if he stays on the park. You know what I mean? Yeah, if he like, plays forward most of the time. So, but, might, not, you know, might not play enough forward. Does someone, does someone break the mould? That would be very interesting. If they don't, well, it's out of those three blokes. No worries. Well, it has been a pleasure. It's been a long pleasure. We're just about hour and 45 minutes but it's a comprehensive we've talked about everything and everyone so um we'll get back probably after a month um to talk about what's happened in the first few weeks but uh cameron thanks for joining us that's been a pleasure punter no worries and we have something special planned for maybe the next podcast a a something different regarding the nba but we'll keep you hanging on that. But it might be our first three-way podcast and uh, it might involve some serious historical discussions. So until, yeah, until then, <laughs> I'm Andrew Lewis and we'll catch you next time on It Should Go That Same. Thanks for joining us.